Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. This is Internet Marketing. So I'm here with Rin Hambra. Rin is the founder of Rin Hambra and Co. Rin, I've been looking at your website. I've been researching your content in preparation for this episode. And I've been really interested in your journey so far in the copywriting space. Hmm. In this episode today, we're going to be discussing copywriting very broadly and in particular, help people find the words to use in their copywriting. And it's really fascinating to me that you've gone in this journey from being a journalist to a copywriter. There's a really good video on your website where it talks about why, really how Rin Hamburger and Co. came to fruition. Mm. You went through this process of training people, understanding that most people aren't writers and actually you really enjoyed writing. Mm. So you sat down, you started to write more, write more, then you helped people help you write more for clients. And that became Rin Hamber and Co. And then I was sitting here thinking, you must have been driven for a long time in this transition from journalist to copywriter and then copywriter to copywriting agency owner. Mm-hmm. And now what drives your work? What are you trying to achieve in the copywriting world? So that's a really, it's a really good question. You know, it's, it's interesting when you look back and somebody sort of sums it up like that and you go, Oh yeah, that is what, that is what happened. But at the time you sort of don't really notice it. I mean, I, I didn't realize I was a copywriter, um, for, for quite a while. I, you know, I was doing my freelance journalism. I'd started on a newspaper and then I'd gone freelance. So I was doing a lot of journalism, but the copywriting was sort of these, like little bits, because obviously, so this is talk going back in 2010 uh, and the world was changing a lot. You know, the internet was, you know, blossoming businesses were getting websites and, and blogs and things like that. I think one of my first copy jobs was actually writing um, some content for an app about happiness. It was like 365 50 word pieces of copy about, uh, yeah, about how to be happier. So it sort of was quite a natural evolution. And then likewise, you know, I didn't call my business an agency for the longest time because it's sort of I don't know. It just felt like too big and grown up and scary a word, really. Um, Do you consider I, it an agency now? Yes. I'm yeah. happy with agency world. Yeah. <laughs> the thing is as well, because I, I didn't come from either agencies or, or client side backgrounds. So I, it was very much a case of sort of making it up as I go along. But I think what I love about that, about that background is that it's really allowed me to shape the business in the way that, that I want to. So rather than sort of just doing things the way everyone does it, I've looked at you know, what works for us as a team, what works for our clients. And we're very much a business that evolves, you know, on a daily, weekly basis. We're always 
learning. What can we level up? How, what can we change by just 1% that's going to make everybody's lives easier? And that is both internal and external. Because for me, uh, I started my business in, in rather unusual circumstances. When, when the first website went li- live, I was a, a single mum with nine-month-old twins. And so it's a, a bit of a kind of hectic time. And for me, that sort of whole work-life balance was, was essential. So actually part of, you know, what, what our, I guess part of what, what drives me is ensuring that I can have a business where everybody who works with me is content and happy in their life and they have that balance whilst also delivering amazing work for our clients. Um, because I think sometimes people feel like it's an either or you, you're either a nice company or you're a profitable company. And I think you can, you can do both. Um, and I kind of want to prove that. Yeah, I'm really interested in how you then find those characteristics in the people you've hired over the years. So Mm -hmm. it's one thing to get comfortable uh, in your own copywriting skills. Mm -hmm. And then when you're building an agency, finding people that have this balance between understanding the impact on a business's bottom line, but they enjoy enjoy the craft of copywriting. Yeah, that can be difficult to find. What do you look for when you're hiring copywriters? It is incredibly hard to find. And actually, <laughs> when we went, we went through a little drive to to get a bunch of new freelancers to to work with us because we use freelancers as well as our in-house type team. And and I think that that helped me to put our prices up because I realised just how difficult it is. And and you know when you when you can do something yourself, then you assume that everyone else can do it, and then you sort of start looking <laughs> around and go, why why can't other people do this? Like, oh yeah, because it is actually a, a really you know, um, important skill. I think for one thing, I sort of have to clarify around the type of copywriting that we do. So there's obviously mm. things like, you know, there's advertising copywriting, which is very kind of conceptual coming up with those kind of strap lines and campaign ideas. And, and that's very different to what we might do, which we, we, we sort of focus on two key areas. One is, is around kind of the brand messaging, um, a brand voice, and then, you know, kind of helping people to clarify and communicate their message. And then the second bit is, establishing kind of expertise and, and building that brand authority and reputation by creating content where, you know, you're taking that information from the client subject matter experts and you, you're transforming that into content that, that really, you know, delivers some value. So in that sense, obviously writing skills are important. Um, our senior um, copywriter and editor, Sam, he actually emailed us, I don't know, probably four years ago, right near the beginning just he was at university and he wanted uh, an internship and you know I was a bit like really with us we're like three people it was three people at the time but his his initial email was was so beautifully written it had such a perfect tone it he just he came across very relaxed confident but not arrogant there was just something about the way he wrote that made me think this guy can write and I know he can so there is that innate ability to write which is great but with copywriting it's also it's also an ability to to understand the subject matter well enough obviously we're not experts in the in the subjects that we write about we're we're taking we're we're basically experts at taking information from people and sorting it and organizing it and making it into something coherent and engaging so you've got to have that understanding as a writer of can i get into a subject really quickly can i kind of without having known anything about this yesterday can i just you know gen up on it really quickly become enough of an expert and can I then sort through and have the confidence to sift through what this expert is saying and pick out the things that are relevant to this particular piece of writing? Because then you've also got to be able to put yourself in the reader's shoes and you've got to be able to say, what is it that people care about? Because 
our clients might want to say a bunch of things, but their readers might not always want to hear those same things. So our job is to sort of stand in the middle and go, actually, this bit of information is great, but that bit of information is, I don't know, too technical or you haven't, you know, highlighted a benefit or whatever it is. So that's kind of our, our role. So it's a lot more, a lot more to it before you actually get to the writing. A lot more to it before you get into the writing. That's yeah. really what I wanted to move on to, which yeah. is how you help people find the words. And what stands out to me from what you just said is that at the risk of sounding a little bit pretentious, <laughs> copywriting is uh, to me a very intimate art. Mm. It can feel kind of uh, maybe lonely or isolating at times, but one aspect of copywriting that I think is maybe misunderstood or underappreciated, particularly in the type of copywriting that you do, is uh, listening skills, the actual ability to just Mm -hmm. distill key information from what people are telling you and then turn that into the right words. I want to learn more about that process. You did touch on it as you were talking there, Mm. but before the words even hit the page, What do you do? What's the process that you go through to help people find the right words? That is a really good question. I'm so glad that you can see that because it's something that sometimes people don't really understand. I always say that you you can't have good writing until you've had good thinking. Um, (laughs) And and really, it it was nice actually, I was uh, interviewing one of our clients um, to write a case study and and he he, he runs a development agency um, and he was talking about similar to what they do in terms of uh, when you've got a database uh, of, of information and then you've got somebody who needs that information, what's the, I don't know the technical terms, but kind of that interface where you've sort of translated the data in whatever system it is into something that's usable. Because we're a small team, we don't have very separate like account managers, project managers, strategists, writers, you know, there's a degree of overlap between them. But the people who are working in the briefing session, their job is to I guess, interview the subject matter mm. experts. And I suppose that's where the journalism background, um, you know, comes in handy because that's, that's just naturally what I've always done. So we put a big emphasis on helping the clients to think about the titles that we might be writing to. So it's not just like, oh, what do you fancy writing about today? We've really thought about it. We've got a framework that we map content to. In, in terms of the, the customer journey and, you know, is it, is it the more top of funnel stuff? Are we answering more general um, kind of interest ideas or we, or we answer specific questions through the, the middle of the funnel? Is it more sales-based at the bottom of the funnel? So having done that, we then spend time asking them the right questions, getting them to share their ideas. And then it's the supplementary questions, I guess, that are the more important ones because often somebody's first answer is just, it's their sort of reactive answer. But actually, if you can dig a little bit deeper beyond that, that's where you get the gold. And often, I, you know, it's so funny, I often find if I'm doing a briefing and I, I don't do that many of them these days, that you get to the end and then somebody makes a throwaway comment and you're like, oh my goodness, that that's the, that's the main point. Why haven't you said this before? But it's taken them that time to to get to it. Again, that comes back to listening skills, the ability mm-hmm. to hear what could be a throwaway comment in any other scenario, but in that moment is so important to a business or a person's story. Yeah. Uh, the, that, that context is so important. And actually on that topic, you just said something that really stood out to me is that you said you don't get involved too much in the briefing parts any longer. Mm. And I, I wondered, is this, so I don't actually know too much about your history as a journalist. What type of journalism were you involved in? features journalism so interestingly enough i did a business degree at university uh, business yeah. with japanese which was great fun because i was living in japan for a year um, but uh and then it was in my final year that i, I discovered uh, sort of journalism and i say discovered because I, i'd sort of thought of journalism as being 
I don't know, you know, like reporters sticking microphones in people's faces and shouting <laughs> at people. And, and I was like, that's, that's not me. I was, I was very, very shy uh, growing up and uh, there was no way I was going to be doing anything like that. And, and even now I'm, I'm no longer shy, uh, but, but I, I don't like that kind of very intrusive sort of digging uh, type reporting. But what I do like is if somebody is interested in sharing a story, finding out as much as I can. Uh, I, I love I love learning. I'm very curious as a person. The reason I yeah. asked that question is I didn't know how much of interviewing was a part of your oh, yeah. experience as a journalist. Yes, and lots, lots very Yeah, much. right. And, and that makes sense. And I wondered whether that's uh, an aspect of your experience and that's a skill that you have that you teach copywriters. Yeah, it's actually, it's our account managers that, that oh, do that process. So, so yep. we've kind of got a bit of an overlap where mostly in a briefing we'll have an account manager and a a writer or mm. editor. And because what I found generally speaking, and, and this is not like 100%, but often writers are people who like to, that they may be more introverted, they might not want to wrangle the client and kind of get all that information out. Um, so it's just naturally sort of happened and it would, it would be absolutely viable for a, a copywriter to be involved in the briefing and doing the questioning, but it just so happens that in our organization, it's, it's, uh, yeah, it's the account managers. So, um, I'm thinking practically here. So do the account managers speak to the client one-on-one? Is it, uh, I'm trying to think about the physical environment, the environment that you create to surface this information okay so is it is it one-to-one uh, in real life do you do it over uh, remote uh, i'm just yeah curious. But most of our clients i mean we have some clients in bristol which is where we're based but, but yeah. a lot of them are around the uk and, and around the world indeed so um it's i think especially since the pandemic you know we, we work with one startup um you know they're they're um Head of growth is is based in in Argentina, so you know, so I'm talking to them, you know, via via Zoom. So yeah, I guess in terms of process, um, we we would normally so we'd start off with with if we start with a new blogging client, for example, we would start off with an, an onboarding and strategy session. So obviously, going through all the practicalities of how we work, so everyone can kind of be on the same page because I think it's really important that everyone gets the process because that just makes agency relationships much more smooth. Mm. But then we also start to get dig into, okay, who are you? What are your goals as a business? Who are your kind of target readers? Um, you know, all of the kind of stuff that you need to know um, to get started. And from there, we create a kind of a, a rough editorial calendar. So it's some ideas, the kinds of things we could be writing about. So general topics and then also specific um, kind of titles. Again, as I said, we've got this framework that we map things against. So we try and give them a mix of ideas, some top of funnel, some middle, some bottom, and they get the feedback on that. And, and from there, they can choose, you know, say they're doing, I don't know, four posts a month. They choose their four, first four posts and then we would arrange a briefing session. So that would be on Zoom. Um, the reason we do it on Zoom as well is because we can then record it. So if there's any moment we go, what is it that they said again? We can just go back and check it. That also means that if the writer who's working on it isn't in that brief. They can just watch it back. But yeah, from there, we, we you know, do all the interviewing, write a, a, you know, a bit of an outline um, for, for the writer just to kind of guide them you know, so that the strategist can input into that. And then, yeah, take it from there. And then obviously, like the first, first batch we do, there's almost always more feedback, and especially if people haven't used a copywriting agency before, because as you said, it is an, it is an intimate thing. If somebody's putting words in your mouth, that's that's a bit of an odd thing to do. And people sometimes yeah. get a bit, like they get a bit freaked out about it. They'll be like, oh no, is this how I would say it? I don't know. And, you know, they've got to settle into the, 
into that kind of process. So the, there's normally the first round tends to have more amends. And then after that, we start to learn a bit more about, I don't know, some clients really can't bear starting a sentence with, a, you know, with an and or a but. Other, mm-hmm. Others don't mind. And, you know, so we kind of, and then we keep records on what each client likes. I mean, it's useful if they have brand voice guidelines, but not everyone does. So You talked a, bit, a little bit there about like how to, discover the right words and maybe even that you just touched on their brand guidelines yeah. and maybe grammatical preferences yeah and now what's going through my mind is tone so yeah. how what, what are the briefing questions or what process do you have in place to help surface the right tone that because it's one thing to like you said put it when you're putting words in someone else's mouth or you're writing on their behalf you want to make sure i, I imagine that's the aspect of clients that the most protective of mm. the, the way in which it's not the actual words themselves it's the tone of what's being presented yeah am i correcting that assumption and how do you go through that process yeah no i definitely think tone is is a big one it's like oh it does does it sound like us that's the that's what people want and and i guess probably the other issue but i'll come back to tone in a second the, the other issue is often where you have people who are real experts and they're like yes but i can't talk about this small amount of thing if i can't if I haven't explained the context of this other thing. So they end up wanting to write like 10,000 word blog posts, but of course that's not helpful. So that's the other thing is to help them kind of go, it's okay. People don't need to get everything from this one blog post. Well, let's just keep it to this particular point. Um, so that that's probably the biggest thing. Um, but in terms of tone of voice, I mean, ideally when we start working with a client, we would work on their brand voice guidelines first. So, you know, my, my ideal scenario in a perfect world, a client <laughs> comes to us and they're like, we don't have any brand voice guidelines. We really like some help. Great. So we help them create those. From there, we would use those to write their website copy because there's no point in having a great blog if your website's not actually saying what it needs to say. So we do website copy next. And and that, you know, that sometimes sort of spills over into things like, you know, pitch decks and intro decks and stuff like that. And then from there, we start doing the content because now we're, we're bringing that, pulling that messaging through. We, we know them really, really well and we can, you know, start from there. So, so brand voice is, I mean, it's a, it's a huge thing. It's, it's really difficult. I know it sounds like a silly thing to say, but it is, it's really, really hard to articulate what does somebody's tone sound like and how can you write like that business? So I have an even more difficult question for you based on (laughs) that. Uh, Yeah. But again, something that I'm really curious about. So I agree. It's a very, very difficult thing to do for a business, Uh, Mm -hmm. but it's really satisfying. That's the other side of it. It's so satisfying when you get it right. And it breeds a unity across teams and a okay. confidence and a fluidity. I see it throughout marketing. Once you get marketing communications or tone of voice, brand guidelines, I'm using those things interchangeably. Yeah. Um, but um, when you get those things right, the fluidity is so much better in marketing. But yeah. at the same time, what I sit here, I think about publications, websites that have multiple authors. And just as a writer and, and as a reader, what resonates most with the reader is when you can hear or read, uh, when there's a voice that resonates with you, when someone's personality mm-hmm. is coming across in the writing. Yeah. And so I was really curious to know how you manage, if at all, situations where you have multiple authors, they're contributing to a website. I assume that you have your foundation of brand guidelines, which have over an, an overarching tone for the business, tone of voice for mm-hmm. the business. But then do you work then on a one-to-one basis to bring out individuals' personality in the writing? How do you manage that? That's a really good point, actually. I'm trying to think of an example where we've done that because we have had stuff assigned to different people. If we've had different experts, 
within a business and you know they'll own that particular piece of writing obviously it's all written by us so it all ends up having you know a similar sort of tone and i think um it's often it's normally written from the brand perspective that's normally how we're doing it yeah but i I guess what i say to because sometimes what we'll do is we'll write more brand-based stuff for a client and then maybe individually there'll be people within their business who'll also write bits and pieces. Yeah. And I think, and they're like, oh no, what, you know, is it a problem if it, if it doesn't sound exactly the same? And I'm like, no, if you, if you're naming the author, then it's, it's perfectly fine for that. So what we're talking about is brand voice and the brand is the kind of, it's the brand, right? It's not, it's not necessarily the, you know, the people kind of contribute to it, but actually it's the standalone thing. It's the, it's the website rather than the salesperson. Um, and so that's to me what's got to be consistent. I do think that if, you know, so say you had, oh, you're doing development, you're a development agency, you've got five developers, they're all kind of talking about different aspects of, of the tech they use. I definitely think if one of them is like using loads of slang and, you know, the other one's, you know, writing academically, you, you probably want to pull that sort of closer to the middle because it would feel a bit weird. Um but yeah, I think you can have you can have differences of personality for sure. What's interesting to me in the world of copywriting is it's the rise of social media almost brings about uh, a nightmare for grammatical purists because people <laughs> write in crazy ways on social media. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking about things like I, w- I was in a webinar just this week about TikTok and they were talking about the use of captions, how people write TikTok captions for their videos. Mm-hmm. And again, nothing fo- follows really any grammatical rules at all. Where was I going with this? I think I'm curious about the difference. And coming into this episode, I was thinking about the difference between copy and copywriting. That's where I was going with this. And in my experience, so we're particularly well known in the SEO space. Mm. And so we produced an optimized content before. And I see a big misunderstanding between content optimization for organic search and copywriting. One thing yeah. that frustrates, frustrates me as a copywriting enthusiast is when those two things are used interchangeably because they're very, very different things that require very, very different skills. Um, yeah. So I'm just curious to know whether that's something that you see. Do you, for example, get prospects that approach you and maybe they're talking about content optimization or production mm-hmm. when actually it's copywriting that they need or vice versa? It's, it is a really interesting one because I think, again, it's it's sort of almost like a like a like a sort of spectrum where one sort of blurs a little bit into into another and i mean I, mm. ideally i feel like uh, you know probably as a copywriting slight slight, slight purist uh, mm. I, I do feel that actually everything should be well written um and i don't think seo should get in the way with, of that but also mm-hmm. don't think good writing should get in the way of seo so we we produce seo copy for our clients so no we we're more known for what we call expert copy, expert-led, um, where we're interviewing subject matter experts. But sometimes, so we've got um, one client, they're in the health tech space, and mm-hmm. they they have their their experts, but actually they've got very much an SEO-driven strategy. So they select select the topics based on their SEO strategy, and you know we write write articles based on it. But two things, one, the experts might put in, you know, five or six bullet points in in the briefing. So we're not interviewing them. We're not getting lots of in-depth knowledge from them because really these are quite sort of top level articles, but we get their opinion and sort of like a angle. And also the pieces are written really, really, really well. Mm. Um, and I think that's the difference. And 
I, I know that they were using, I, I can't remember what online marketplaces say something like Fiverr. They were, they were doing it before, but actually the quality of the copy they were getting back was so bad that it didn't represent them as a brand. So mm-hmm. even though, yes, it may have ticked lots of SEO boxes, um, that, that in itself wasn't helpful because people would have arrived on that site, maybe scanned the article and gone, actually, this is not useful. It's not, this is not a brand I trust to download their app. Um, so yeah, for me, optimize by all means, and we do, but it's also got to be well-written, well-researched. Like we won't just, you know, if we, if we, if we make an assertion in an, in an article, we'll make sure we've got something to back that up from, mm. uh, from a good source. And again, that's where it goes back to, you know, good journalism. You can't just go, oh, you know, three under four people suffer from depression. It's like, well, <clears throat> where did you get that statistic? So you have to go and find it and you have to make sure that it's from a, a verifiable source and it's not just from, you know, randomperson.com who just decided to say it. And this is the problem is that anyone can publish anything, right? And mm-hmm. so then when you're doing your SEO research, you're going, oh, well, other people are talking about this statistic, so I must include this statistic. So well, yeah. that's great, but where did it come from? Yeah. This is, uh, and I've just re- remembered one of the reasons I asked this question as well is um, we were, I, I saw an email that came in from a client uh, in our agency this week and it referenced the phrase that I've come across multiple times in my career. Mm. And it was something to the effect of, uh, you know, we're interested in exploring quality content production, something to do. Yeah, nice. And so I was thinking, uh, and so my, I knew this podcast was on the horizon and I thought, ah, oh, that's something I can talk to Rin about. <laughs> nice. Because when I see the phrase quality content, all that I think about is something that really we've been talking about the whole episode. It's quality content for me is just the surfacing of information communicated in a way that is authentic. Yeah. And it's genuinely valuable. Yeah. I think that's the thing. It has to be genuinely valuable because, because a lot of the things you read, you read them and you're like, I can see you use this keyword a lot, but I haven't <laughs> learned anything. And that's not helpful. Um, uh, yeah. As, as sometimes, I mean, I guess I can spot it and probably you can spot it a mile mm. away, but yeah, there's just so much rubbish out there. The thing is, there's so much content. If you mm. just want to rank, I, I mean, I, I'm trying to think why you would, but you know, if you're just, I don't know, some a budget brand and, and you really are just a play it by numbers, you just got to get gazillions of people on there and some it's going to stick. Um, fine. You know, use the cheapest uh, SEO copy you can get. That's absolutely fine if that works for your strategy. But generally speaking, if you're trying to build a brand, then you you need something that's the same quality as the as what you're trying to establish your brand at, and if and mm. if that is expert, then that SEO copy also has to be expert. Yeah, it, the the phrase also makes me think that maybe there's just a an inherent problem in marketing that can still be solved, and maybe again, maybe copywriting as an art is still underappreciated. I think it is. Anecdotally speaking, I still mm. see that it is. I work across all disciplines, and just the phrase. Um, quality content or quality copy. Mm. I think people would ask for copywriting if there was a wider understanding of what that is as a discipline. Yeah. And th- they would just say, Hey, we need copywriting support. And I just don't see the phrase in my environments. Where, mm-hmm. And I work with, um, you know, I work in the SEO space, analytics mm-hmm. space. And it's interesting that I don't see the phrase come up that often. I think the problem is there's this idea that everyone can write. Uh, because, you know, most people in marketing can indeed write a whole sentence, mostly without grammatical issue or punctuation issue. So uh, as a result, they think then that they can write copy. And, you know, they might be able to write halfway decent copy, but actually, I think I was saying this some somebody the other day, there's a big difference between uh, everyone can write and anyone can write. 
And I do think potentially anyone could write um, in the same way that possibly anyone could, I don't know, design or do analytics, right? Because, you know, when you started out in your career, you couldn't do it. You had to learn how to do it. Mm -hmm. We all start out, you know, okay, yes, with a, maybe a bit of a leaning towards one thing or another. Some people are a bit more analytical. Some people are a bit more creative. Um, some people are good with words. Some people are good with numbers. But I am good at what I do because I've been doing it for a really long time, a really mm. long time. Um, and I've done a lot of it. And also I think that's particularly been accelerated over the last few years with the agency because when I, when I was working as a freelancer, I could only do a certain amount of work, whereas now I'm overseeing much more work. So my, my rate of learning has increased because I've just been in, you know, I've seen enough things. I've seen enough things go wrong. I've seen enough things go right. And, and yeah, so I, I definitely, I definitely think that idea that anyone can do it is probably the problem. And I think the second problem is that it's much harder to, um, I've thought of the third one as well. Girl, there's lots of problems in there. The, th the second one is that it's really hard to kind of prove the return on investment, uh, especially mm -hmm. with the more brand building type things. So, you know, it, even with something like a website, if you look at somebody's developing a new website, great. So they're going to get it developed and designed. They're going to get maybe messaging work done and copy written. So then if that website is now getting a loads more traffic than the last website, you know, who, who do you, who do you give that credit to? You know, is it, is it the people that developed it and did all the technical SEO stuff and, you know, all the rest of it, or is it the copywriter that's, you know, done the, the messaging and the work, you know, there's so many things. And, and with, uh, with blogging, if you're writing thought leaderships, stuff uh, that, that isn't stuff people are necessarily going to be searching for. So then it's, it's not an SEO focus. It's more about establishing that brand authority. How do you measure that? Mm. You know, I, I know that I can go into, you know, a, a networking event, a, you know, business dinner, something like that. And, and people will say, oh yeah, you know, read your blog. Great. But that's, that's not really a tangible thing on like with SEO, it's much sort of, I guess, easier to say, here, here is what we did and here are the numbers and here are therefore the results. So um, yeah. That's probably the second thing. That's really interesting. Uh, oh, that was the third challenge. I have a fourth one as well, but I'm going to get to that in a minute. But it's exciting exploring challenges, problems, and just the copywriting space. But yeah. Before I forget, um, uh, oh yeah, I kind of agree and disagree. I actually think it's really easy to measure copywriting, but it's uh, perhaps, for me, it's satisfaction. Um, and, I definitely and want you to explain this to me so that I can do it because I really want to be able to prove it to people and go, we're really good and we're really useful. And honestly, we will make you more money. I just can't show you exactly how. Well, I think this is, again, it's intangible, but it doesn't mean that it's, I think that we're just, it, particularly in the marketing space, we're so focused on short-term metrics, which are all yes. very valid, very important, but the intangible art uh, of creativity, pride, mm -hmm. satisfaction, they're actually very easy to measure because you can feel them in a world full of hard metrics. It's yeah. difficult for some businesses to accept or appreciate. But for me personally, um, again, the intangible part is that you talked about that. You gave an example, as you were talking a moment ago, about uh, someone that maybe produced content via Fiverr, they received it. And I was thinking about that process. Again, it's a process I've seen before. That's the difference between content production and copywriting. I've seen businesses that have gone through that same process that have outsourced their content, not thought about the copywriting angle. They've received the content. You know, perhaps it ranks, perhaps it doesn't, but ultimately they've still not been satisfied. They're still mm. not proud of what they're producing. Yeah. And if you're proud in what you produce, that lends itself to better sharing. Yeah. So social sharing, you're going to speak about the things that you're proud about. 
And so copywriting has a knock-on effect to the shareability of content, I think, mm-hmm. um, in a way that's under Again, that's one of the reasons I was so keen to and excited to talk to you because raising the awareness of this aspect, mm-hmm. which is a little bit more intangible on yeah. a podcast like this, is a really good way to explore the topic. But I see the benefit of that's so copy, cool. copywriting's impact on social sharing. A hundred percent. I definitely, mm. I think that's where, you know, certainly this, this more expert led copy and mm. we, and we create copy in, in, in different ways. So we can either do this pure SEO stuff where it's, <clears throat> excuse me, where it's, you know, we're getting an idea of the, the, the subject matter from, from the SEO strategy and we're writing around that. And it, mm. there's not too much um, input from, from the brand, but then also sometimes more often our copy is is this expert-led stuff where we're interviewing we're getting the thoughts out and stuff and we can optimize on top of that um you know some subjects are probably more suited to that because if it is more of a search you know query based um article whereas if it's sort of just an opinion on something it it might be harder to do another benefit you know i said about how um in order to have good writing you have to have good thinking sometimes people's thinking is only 75 percent of the way there and what we do in the briefing is that we force them to think more clearly because we say to them, you know, whether it's actually, whether it's in, you know, creating brand voice and messaging work or, or whether it's a blog post, somebody will say, well, this is what my business does. And we can go, well, that doesn't sound very interesting. Tell me it in a different way. Like, what does this really mean? Tell me what your audience is concerned about. And, you know, funny enough, actually, we did a similar exercise. We worked with um, an agency uh, a couple of years ago um, on our kind of customer journey. And I just knew I needed somebody outside, somebody external who can give me that fresh pair of eyes. And as I was explaining what it was that we we did, she she wrote, wrote down a couple of phrases and, and one was, you know, establish expertise and the other one was clarify and communicate message. And that has now, that's like the foundation of what we do. But I just, I'd never communicated in that way and her continually asking me what do you do what do you do what do you do it forced me to go actually this is what we do so it was inside me all the time it's just it took somebody to draw it out somebody who wasn't so close to the subject and and that i think is a real benefit because there's a lot of times where clients have said you know i knew i knew this stuff but i, I didn't know how to express it i didn't know how to articulate it and and now you've given us the words to say it and so that you know sometimes it's just that phrasing they'll use that phrasing in i don't know sales call or you know um mm. you know networking event or whatever so it in fact actually this is really lovely last week um my senior copywriter and i went to an awards like gala dinner thing um and, and we were invited by one of our clients who sponsored the table and and he, he gave a little talk um and as he was talking um sam turned to me and he went oh i wrote that line and it was just, <laughs> and it was just so lovely to go brilliant you know we've given them words that they it's not just the website copy it's actual ways of articulating why they are special and so they mm. can use those words anywhere and that is but you you can't you don't know that until you've done it mm. and i think that's the, the difficulty in sort of selling copywriting and which is why frankly i i don't do an awful lot of selling i basically wait for people to come to us and tell us that they need us because i am not really interested in convincing people they need copy because then they're just going to be very difficult to work for um mm. it's much easier if they get why it's valuable and then and then we can work together yeah so i mean i'll I'll close this part of the episode out with Mm. do not understate the value of qualitative measurement when it comes Mm. to copywriting anecdotal feedback and feelings i think that's so important i will just touch though 
uh, Rin, you did say, you know, how else can you measure? Again, I'm a marketing generalist, but I spend yeah. a lot of time in um, analytics and that and data and analytics. Mm. And yeah, it, with copywriting, you can measure a before and after effect on conversion rate. And when it comes mm. to copywriting, if you, uh, you know, if you have an analytic solution in place, can, yeah. user feedback tools like Hotjar, you can, for example, measure satisfaction. So reader satisfaction, particularly on blogging sites or big publications. Mm. You can measure satisfaction, like reader satisfaction yeah. and gather their feedback. That's one way to measure it. And there, are, um, there are things like, you know, yeah. even something like, um, you know, dwell time, you know, dwell time. On, on a site. Yeah. And, you know, I think that's, that for me is, is really good. Um, and, you know, reducing bounce rate that people, if they are looking for something that, you know, you are answering their question, if they're finding the site for, through whatever way, whether it's social or search or whatever, that if they're staying and they're reading, you know, if, if it's a five minute read and they're staying for four or five minutes, that's wonderful. Uh, if they're going away after 30 seconds, perhaps not. Uh, and I think also you were saying about kind of con- conversions that yeah. I think that's something that we, we try and help and guide our clients with is understanding what conversion should look like depending on the type of post and where it sits in the funnel. Because, you know, f- for us, because as I said, we don't have a massive heavy sell focus for us. Mostly what we're trying to get people to do is read another article. It's so mm. like read a blog post, then read another blog post, then read another blog post. Great. Mm. And now you're really convinced that we're valuable and we know what we're doing and we know what we're talking about. We're experts and you'll remember us. Maybe you'll follow us on social and when you need us, you will come to us. Now that may be a bit of quite a laissez-faire way of doing sales and uh, perhaps I do need to step it up a notch, but actually I think that works for us and it always has done. Um, mm. But yeah, top of funnel, you might just want to get them to read, read more, maybe sign up to a newsletter or something like that. It's, you know, nearer to the bottom of the funnel. That's where you can start going, okay, book a demo or whatever you want to do. Mm. Uh, I know in the world of user experience that uh, measuring micro copy, so for example, uh, hover text or just copy within mm-hmm. apps, SaaS products in particular, they measure their work based on tests and also convert the impact on conversion rate as well. Yeah. So it's a slightly different industry, but it is a pl- uh, I mean, it's a slightly different space, but ultimately it's still copywriting just for a, a different purpose. Well, that's interesting actually, because I, f- I think that was the point I was going to make earlier as well uh, about. Um, you know, issues with uh, copywriting. And it's because copywriting is sort of part of everything. Um, mm. But you're not going to hire a copywriter to, I don't know, write, write write one button on a whatever. You know, it's it's sort of, if you're working with a copywriter, then you can actually pull them into so many different things. So they become quite uh, integral to your team. And, and you often sort of, yeah, it, it flows through all, all the different things. Everything you you use has words even if it is audio or video it doesn't have to be written down words mm. there is an elephant in the room and it's because you were talking about challenges and problems and yeah. this is more of a challenge but i'm so curious to know your answer okay really ai copywriting answer. tools we haven't explored it as part of this episode and part of my I, I was thinking the perception in the industry particularly the marketing world on what copywriting is perhaps the future of copywriting mm. why is it undervalued and underappreciated and then my thought went ah this is going to be a problem. Like people's perception on what copywriting is based on the growth of copywriting tools. That's yeah. going to be a challenge that you in particular face. <laughs> where do you, mm. you stand on it? I, I'm I'm not against them. I'm against them being used as a replacement for copywriters. Yeah. I just think yeah. that's silly. Um, but like anything, it can be a tool if you use it properly. Um, so, you know, I, even little things like when I'm writing in Google Docs, you know how sometimes it like it'll bring up the next few words, like it's trying to yeah. finish the sentence for you. 
And sometimes I'm like, oh yeah, that's a good way of phrasing it. I like it like that. <laughs> and then I'll, I'll press enter. It'll go, it'll go through. Brilliant. You know, sometimes I'm thinking, what word should I use next? And then it's come up with one. I'm like, oh yeah, I like that word. Great. But I, as a copywriter, have come in and said, yes, I approve. Um, you know, so I've used my judgment. So I, I think purely relying on an AI tool is, is never going to get, it's, it's like, like we were talking about with people just, you know, getting a SEO copy off Fiverr. You'll get yeah. something. It'd be all right, but it won't be great. And yeah, so I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I'm not worried that we're going to be replaced anytime soon. What I'm hoping is it can, it will be able to do the shortcutting. Um, mm. and then we'll be able to kind of finesse on top of that and do our best work. That's a really great answer. And it really follows <laughs> my train of thought as well. One of the reasons I raised it is again, um, I think there is the danger, there is the danger for sure, because I've seen it already that people are thinking or hoping that perhaps AI copywriting tools is the secret to this. You mentioned it a few times in the episode, not being a writer. Like, yeah. ah, there's brilliant. There's this going to be this, this tool that makes me a writer and makes mm. people think that I'm a better writer. It, it can be a tool in your arsenal as a copywriter and it might help okay. you, but to think that it can replace somebody's feelings and thoughts and characteristics of actual personality that are surfaced in copywriting, it's not yeah. going to do that. Um, it, who knows? I'm, I'm open-minded. It it. I'm sorry. I certainly don't think it's going to do it yet. Yet, yeah. That, that, that's actually where I was going to go. I'm open-minded. Who knows where the future leads? Like it, it's a crazy world that we live in, and things are developing fast. Mm. But right, you know, as we speak today, I think that I would not like to perpetuate this idea that AI copywriting is a replacement for copywriters, and I think that's something that you agree with. Yeah, yeah, definitely. But you know, I, I, I'm like you. I, you know, I'm not going to get stressed about it and think, oh God, where is this agency going to be in 20 years? I'm like, well, we'll take it as it comes. I think we've got to be open-minded about uh, where things are. Otherwise you end up being like blockbuster, you know? Um, uh, And that's that's no use to anyone. There's always an evolution. There's always a next step. And people are always going to need to communicate. Um, You can't use AI for everything. So yeah, I I think it's important that we embrace what's happening, but without giving it more power than than it than it should have at any given time. I think right now there's still very much a need for humans. Yeah. I, I haven't seen this out in the world yet, but I'm sure one of the big AI copywriting tools is working on it. I would love to go into an AI copywriting tool and then see a database of their verified either agencies or freelance copywriting consultants that kind of work with the tool. Mm-hmm. I think that would be a really interesting way to open up the space and well, help people get better content. Um, I think it's a way for traditional copywriters to collaborate with AI-based copywriting companies. I think that will happen if it's not happened yet. Well, we, well, I mean, we we use an AI tool with our SEO stuff, not yeah. to write the copy, although there's a functionality in that, it's just we don't use it. Yeah. Um, but we use it to, to uh, analyze our copy and uh, give us an idea of what words we could use a few, you know, okay, you've used this word too many times or you've, you've not used this word enough. And then again, we will take our human judgment and we will go, great, I can actually fit this word in once or twice. We actually know that word's silly and it doesn't work with the tone, so I'm going to ignore it. Um, so we can kind of improve the, we, we can optimize, but, and, and that is using um, AI. And that's, a, that's, for me, a great example of where AI really serves our, our needs. Excellent. Uh, Rin, it's been a pleasure talking to you this morning about Likewise. copywriting. If people want to find out more about you and Rin Hamburger and Co., where can they find you? 
our website, which is brand new. Uh, it's, we've just had a, a it's very new nice. Brand. I like the website. Um, thank you. Um, so it's www.rin-hambra. Hambra is an odd word. Uh, it's like Hamburg with an H on the end. Uh, .co.uk. But also we're on, you know, all the platforms. LinkedIn. LinkedIn's my favorite. Uh, feel free to connect with me uh, personally. So brilliant okay Rin thanks for your time this morning this has been the internet marketing podcast take care deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.